Hello everyone, this is Patrick Chavez and thank you for being with us for Alethea Bites and I am here with Amberly Chamberlain and she is the Assistant Professor of Theater Arts at Santa Ana College in Santa Ana and they are putting on a show of production um, this coming weekend, only one more weekend of uh, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Hello, how are you doing today, Amberly? I'm doing great. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, well yeah. Th thank you for coming coming on. Uh, <laughs> please tell us a little bit um, for anyone that doesn't know anything about the show. I know like next to zero about this show. Besides <laughs> that, Judas is in the title, and he's he's a, a pretty uh, hated uh, person in the Bible. And yeah. uh, so, the last days of Judas Iscariot. What is uh, what is the show about? So it's a really interesting take on taking somebody that's um, like you said a. Uh, a somewhat hated individual <laughs> from the Bible for being the betrayer of Christ. And um, the show was written in 2000 and, well, let's say it, it um, premiered in 2005. So to give you some context to it, the writer, um, Stephen Adley Gerges, uh, I hope that I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> um, he wrote this, I'm uh, probably right around after 9-11 took place. And uh, Stephen was a New Yorker. So obviously he was impacted greatly by what happened in 9-11. So there's several references in the show in regards to, and I think it's something that's been kind of festering in our society, of course, to where we are now. And that's why we really kind of chose to do this show at this time about how the whole issue in regards to after 9-11, how we kind of started pigeonholing people you know, like the Muslims and things like that. And now we're having the same issue when it comes to the border and how we tend to like lump people. And um, and the nice thing about uh, Stephen's background, so, and if you come and see the show, uh, there's lots of characters that really kind of, you can tell he pulled from his roots. So there's a character who's half gypsy, half uh, Irish, and then there's another gentleman who's Egyptian. And so Stephen was actually a son of a Irish, I hope I got this right, an Irish mother and an Egyptian father. And so he obviously had the different dynamics growing up. And so the nice thing is, is you don't have to be a religious person. You can be a religious person. Uh, you can fall on any side of the spectrum. And the great thing is what's happening is there's two attorneys that are in purgatory and they're arguing the case of Judas Iscariot. And what it all boils down to is the what's beautiful about this show is how we, as humans, that whether you believe in God or not, the shame that we live with from the things that we do in our life uh, can cause us to kind of you know, live in our own sort of damnation, that we kind of create our own hell of our own making. Mm -hmm. And so each of the characters are kind of fighting for issues and, and problems that they have themselves, that if they can prove that Judas can be forgiven for the things that he did, then anybody can, right? right. So it's kind of this really cool uh, setting where all time is happening uh, all the time. So we've got characters from 80s and 60s and biblical and modern day, and they're all together in purgatory as they're kind of determining this fate of 
where you belong. Do you belong in a state of heaven or do you belong in a state of hell? And I say a state of, because like I said, it doesn't have to really necessarily be a religious belief. So uh, I think it's a, a really cool story that everybody can relate to because there's that sense of how do we forgive ourselves and looking for that forgiveness that we seek it elsewhere. But really, if we can't come to the place of forgiving ourselves and loving ourselves, then we're going to forever kind of live in a state of despair. So it sounds very tragic <laughs> and, um, and sad. And I will say, and there are elements of that, but it's done in a very, I will say, in a very modern vernacular. So mm -hmm. I encourage mature audiences. I wouldn't, uh, the language is definitely in the R rating. So, um, so, how, uh, so how old would you say uh, someone should be? Seeing you know, I, I brought my 12 year old. <laughs> He's a very mature 12 year old and he loved the show. I, I definitely wouldn't recommend anything under that. And if you definitely don't want your kids listening, uh, to the F word, <laughs> then I would gear for older, even older than that. So, but it's a very intense show. The entire first half is, is very, very funny. There's lots of humorous stuff throughout it. Of course, it gets heavier and has quite an impact in the end. Um, but all the, several of the saints appear. And if you're somebody that does offend easily, the saints do use choice words. <laughs> they do speak in modern day vernacular. Um, but I promise the payoff is worth it in the end. So it's it's quite a beautiful piece. And like I said, it's got a very universal appeal in the message that it's trying to teach. And there's fun, colorful characters like Mother Teresa, Sigmund Freud, um, Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate from the Bible. And like I said, the saints. And there's there's an angel. The, the judge is a Confederate uh, army soldier. So he really touches on, we'll just say nobody is left unscathed. And the other beauty of it is the, the well-crafted argument as these attorneys are really trying to argue the case that I think is such an important thing for anybody to be a part of nowadays, because I think we've lost that in the day of Facebook, that we don't know how to argue anymore and we just place blame. And I think it's a really cool thing because obviously you have the defense attorney and the prosecuting attorney, so they are able to go back and forth and point out faults, but then also give the good reasons for why people did the things that they did. And like I said, it's just uh, that well-crafted argument is really there. And it's, and it's quite beautiful because like I said, I think we've lost that. Mm. So. So, yeah. Wow. It sounds like a very interesting uh, play and story. Yeah. I'm wondering how did you discover this and, uh, and why did you think this would be a, a good play for Santa Ana College? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the playwright uh, has gotten quite a reputation and people have really started to notice his work. And uh, he's written a couple other shows. One of them ha has the F word in the title, so I won't say it. But <laughs> so his stuff is definitely on the edge. Yeah. I was in grad school. So I've been a, a teacher for about oof, uh, going on uh, 15 years now. And I went back to school late to get my master's. And when I was in grad school, we actually did this show. And mm -hmm. I was actually cast to play the part of the uh, defense attorney. And the media's most difficult role I think I've ever played and was just kind of hunting around looking for stuff that I thought would be good for my students. And of course, you look at the students that you have and what they're capable of and 
And once again, the messages that you want to teach and that you think would be good for the audiences. And I just happen to have it sitting on my desk. And I know it's a wonderful show. And I said, hey, let's give it a shot. And it's turned out to be quite a beautiful experience. The growth of my my student actors has been phenomenal. And I, I truly have one of the most talented casts that I've ever had. Um, what's so for this for this kind of show and stuff like that? Did you direct this? I did. Yeah. Did you direct this? What's a what's a challenging part as far as directing this specific piece? You know, um, the hard part is because I will say that this show is really uh, Sam Rockwell played this on. uh, I I don't know if it's on Broadway, near Broadway. Uh, It's it's heavy material. So it's it's written for very seasoned actors. And like I said, I did it and I was in grad school. So typically it's not something that you'd be doing with beginners. Mm-hmm. And my students, some of my students have never been in a show before. This is their first time. A lot of them, this might be their second or third show. I have a couple of seasoned actors that have done quite a few productions before. So that was a challenge of, you know, trying to get everybody to that that same place of comfort and trust and, and just trusting themselves. And the language, it's a lot. Um, lots of big words, very wordy. Uh, long passages. There's a uh, four-page monologue at the end that's almost like a good 15-minute scene of a person by himself. And that's very challenging for an actor. And my actor that does it is absolutely incredible. And so in those respects, the, the direction can be a little challenging. I had a wonderful intern that helped me on uh, helping with the actors who's uh, uh, going to be a graduate, a, a graduate at Cal State Fullerton. And so there was lots of lots of people working on it. We've got a great team. The challenge is always money because we we don't get a lot of support in the colleges. Our programs have pretty much been eaten away quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, starting in about about 2008, you know, after the recession. And so a lot of our program went away, particularly our technical program. And so trying to do this type of a show on like a shoestring budget obviously, because, you know, costumes and the whole lighting and set construction and everything. So we always have to get extremely creative (laughs) on how we do productions in order to appease the audience, because audiences, they want the big flash. They want to see, they're used to movies now, right? So they don't even think about going to the theater so much, our students. So trying to give them something visually that they're going to want to look at at the same time. But uh, so those those were of the challenges, like I said, is budget and then just um, actors being at different levels. Uh, we we do kind of what's called guerrilla theater, like backstreet theater, where you don't really have anything and you um, use a whole lot of nothing to make something. Yeah. And uh, the coolest thing was opening night. I'd seen the show so many times and thought I might be bored <laughs> because I'd watched it so many times. And it was such an exciting experience. I've not been a part of an audience that was so intently listening that you could have dropped a pin during the second act and you would have heard it because the audience was not wiggling. They were they were so into what was being said and absorbing every single word. And that was a really cool experience. Yeah, well, I think that's something that's special about theater. Oh, at yeah. Least, at least for me, um, like I know uh, with movies or books, I'm I I know some people can do it. They can I can they can read one book and then finish it and then read it again. I know my wife can. She can read the same book over and over <laughs> again. 
I just can't do it. It's like I read that yeah. book all over again. But plays. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I think I've seen. I must have seen the Glass Menagerie as a theater viewer. Uh, way, way, way more times. But every single time I see it, it's like I've seen it uh, a new, a, a new time. It's a new version. Someone's mm-hmm. they're staging it differently. It's it, it, and it's the same story, but it feels different. And uh, you know, and I see it differently when I when I look at that production. I've seen it's it funny you said that because mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten to that place as well with movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. theater is great because uh, all every production is going to be different at a different yeah. theater anywhere you go. But the cool thing is that, I mean, I'll sit through and I'll watch all five of our productions or all of our shows every single night. And every single performance is going to be different because from Friday to Saturday, it was it was completely different because uh, the actors bring with them what's happened to them in the day of their own life. And in becoming the characters, they're also carrying the weight of themselves as an actor. And that's what I kind of try to teach my students, that you are the character as they are you. And so everything that's weighing on you of your your thoughts and your heart and your will is what you're bringing into that character on that any given specific date. And if you're being true and you're being honest, then your character is going to morph every single night. And I think I think that's what's really cool to see. And I think people take for granted theater now. Uh, a lot of my students, I teach an intro to theater class, and I'll ask them how important theater is to them in their lives. And maybe three out of 40 kids will raise their hand, <laughs> which to me is just sad until I start saying to them, okay, so do you play PS4? Do you go and watch a WWE event? <laughs> do you see concerts? And then they start realizing how much theater has created the things that they observe, like the, where it's rooted in and how much theater is still a part of their life, but they just don't think of it because they're not thinking of going to a play necessarily. So yeah. it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic what, what film has done in changing our way of thinking that sort of thing. But a lot of my students don't want to study theater. They want to just go straight to the to the TV and the film. And to me, that's sad because that's where the training is rooted is in theater. And that's where you really learn your craft. Most definitely. Yeah. 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 Some of these productions, you've only have two weekends to this production. So as far as these short like runs, like uh, is that because of budget? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because we've got to pay for royalties. So uh, it's that and also because so many people like for our campus, we have one big theater. And so everybody in the entire school has access to our theater. And so us as a theater department, we actually only get eight weeks in that theater. And then the rest of the eight weeks of the semester gets divided between like music and dance. So we need that time, number one, to rehearse. And then, like I said, our theater seats like 400. And so you have to pay the royalties for what your theater seats, regardless of how much money you actually end up making. And so the sad thing is we maybe get, I don't know, 50, maybe 70 people out on a a given night if we're lucky. So uh, we have another smaller theater that only seats 58. And so it's nice because we sell out (laughs) and we turn people away. But it's only done in one weekend. And... And yes, I will say it's very disheartening when you've worked and and spilled blood, sweat and tears for six weeks, uh, six, seven weeks. And then you yeah. get like, you know, five performances and it, and it's done. And you also, you know, you can't videotape it. That's not allowed. So it's really one of those things that you experience it and, and then it's gone because you really don't have anything captured 
for you to ever see it again. And, and even if you do, it's never the same when you watch a video back as opposed to seeing something live. So if someone really wanted to help support uh, the theater theater at Santa Ana College, how, how would they do that? Is there a PayPal they could go to to, to donate to, to the program? You know, we actually we have a SAC foundation, so Santa Ana College Foundation, and we do have an account there that people, uh, if they're ever so kindly, would make a donation. That would be wonderful. They can get a write-off. Uh, you get a tax code and everything, and they can say that they want it to go strictly to the theater arts. Um, also, when people come, you know, we do every little thing that we can in selling concessions. And if people want to give a little extra when they buy the concessions, um, we have people, we have also a separate account. Uh, you don't get a write off for it, but they can, um, if they just want to write a check to the school, it will be donation that goes into our account, which um, can be a little bit easier for us to access in, in purchasing the things that we need to buy for production. Um, and then we also do, uh, we just recently started selling ads to go in our programs to help. The, the crazy thing is one of the most expensive things that we have to do is printing. Uh, I would love to find a place that would print our stuff for free. Just making posters in a program is, is a nightmare because yeah. I can't believe how costly it is to get color copying of things and just to get a higher quality paper. Um, mm -hmm. My programs just to print up like 200 programs was like $500, oh, <laughs> which is like yeah. all my costumes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really sad. And yet you don't want an audience sitting in there and they get like a flimsy little paper program. And it just makes, makes me feel bad for the kids because they deserve better. Yeah. It's part of the experience for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That play, that playbook is a that big play <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you frame it, man. I, yeah. I save way too many of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can help donate at www.sac.edu backslash theater. Yeah. And uh, you can, this, this is a place you can help donate if you want to help uh, support Santa Ana theater. Yeah. Uh, the show takes place this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So that, let me just double check on my dates to make sure I'm not wrong, <laughs> um, which I believe is the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. You are right, 7.30, um, 7.30 p.m. Yes, yeah, 7.30 on the Friday and Saturday. Our Sunday performance is at 6.30, and then it will take place in our Phillips Hall Theater, which is at Santa Ana College. It's located on 1530 West, 17th Street, Santa Ana, California. So it's cross streets of Bristol and 17th Street. 